Hey guys, happy Romans 8.28 day. So yeah, it's August 28th, and this day will always have a special meaning to me. It, all, it has for a long time, and if you know me, you know why. But this verse, Romans 8.28, is the epitome of trusting God. For those who love God, all things work together for the good, who are called to His purpose. And when you finally accept that, that's the full trust in God that can make all the difference in your life. So no matter what situation you're facing, if you believe that this is all there is, well, you'll be like, how could this work together for the good? But when you know there's more, and when you finally start trusting Him more than your own bad instincts, once you realize you made a lot of mistakes and you don't even know what you want, you can fully trust God and know that He will use these things for good, no matter how bad it is, because God doesn't intend you wrong harm. He intends you good. And when you get called to His purpose, your life can mean so much more than it ever did. And so I want to encourage anybody out there today, and you know, this is for me, it's a reminder for me that the things that are tough in your life are the things that can make you stronger and more resolute and more determined to do something that really matters. And I'm so thankful to God that He changed me. And so this this verse, this day, will always be on my heart because this is how I finally learned to trust God in a real way. And it's made all the difference. Romans 8.28 And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. So that is 8.28 and today's 8:29. But yesterday I made a video and it was kind of a raw video about that verse because that has become my life verse. Um like I was I joked before that I had at one point I decided, you know, once I started liking tattoos a little bit, I was going to get another one. And of course I got a stupid tribal shark once and I realized, you know what? If you get a stupid just pattern or whatever, just something you think looks cool. One day you won't think it looks cool anymore. So you should probably get something that means something to you. So I thought as a completely lukewarm Christian who knew a little bit about the Bible, uh, I thought it'd be cool to get a Bible verse tattooed on me one day. But then I'm like, well, what, what verse would I get? And then of course I'm like, this is, this is embarrassing. And I'm thinking like Googling cool verses to get tattooed on yourself. Where It's like, yeah, get something that means something to you, to somebody else, and then get that tattooed on you. But the funny part about that is like, so now that I finally I read my Bible, I love my Bible. There's so many verses now. I said I would be, I'd be one of those uh, freaks who got tattoos like all over their body, in the inside of their mouth and everything, because I, there's too many verses. So I think I'm just going to keep them right in here, you know, and then I can just look at them when I need them. But if I were, were to get one, which I don't think I will, it would be Romans 8.28. Because let's just say that that was a special day for me. It was supposed to be a, a, a really good day, a day to celebrate all the time. And now it's really not. It's, it's, it's not. By, by worldly standards, it's not. It could be a very bitter day if, if things change, turned out a little differently than they did. But Let's just say, like I said, they didn't turn out well as far as circumstances go. But 
the beauty of that verse is the circumstances don't dictate what, what the result is. Because if, if you can only find good in the good circumstances, you're going to have a lot of bad times on this earth. And so when I, once I realized that, that the easy, good things, the things that make you, the things that are, are not difficult, the things that are soft, the things that are comfortable, they don't make you any stronger, do they? They don't, they don't test you. They don't, they don't, they don't change you into something better. You know, they keep you at best. They keep you, you know, at the state you're in a lot of times they make you softer. And so as a guy who's always taken pride in like working out and, and trying to get stronger, trying to improve, you know, running, lifting weights, cycling, it's the hard things that make you strong. It's the tough workouts that, that, that build endurance and determination and, and just that, that kind of drive and just like seeing the improvement in yourself allows you to continue to push and you, and you, and you're picturing something in the future, a race to, to use this strength. And it's, it's very motivating and it's motivating to do that. And so once I started to like, kind of read my Bible, I was really starting to pick up the verses, like, especially from Paul that he was talking about, like, you know, running the race to get the prize. And he's talking about fighting the good fight. And, and it's, and of course, and he's talking, he was talking about like bodily, bodily exercise. I think in Timothy, he's talking about, it does have some value, but not, but not like tra- training godliness, which obviously has a turn of value. And so Romans 8.28 was, it's all about trusting God, you know, it's kind of like, do you, do you really trust him? Because if you, like I said, everybody can see the good in, in blessings, but when you're going through a trial, it's like, you know, we're supposed to actually, you know, be, 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 um, be encouraged because it's like, we know that it was something's good, good's going to happen from it. And, and if you especially think about your life, you know, no matter what trial you're going through right now, you know, unless you're going to leave this earth right afterwards, it's so bad. And which, in which case you're going to, you're going to be with him. It won't be the last one. And most likely it will not be the most difficult one you face. So that's what I'm thinking now. So if you go through a trial right now, you could think like, this is a test for the next, for the race. And I feel like that that is a, you can, you know, you can actually take comfort in the fact that this is going to make you prepared for the, for the real test one day, because we don't know what it is and when it is, but to not make this all about me, even though this is the JT follows JC podcast, that's the name currently anyways. I want to talk about Joseph and Jesus and the story of Joseph and the story of Jesus, how they parallel each other. And also the fact that if you guys didn't know, JT is not a real name. JT's are, JT is my initials. But actually, I, I kind of like going by JT right now. It's just because like, it's just, I don't know, maybe, maybe being called something different and me being different is kind of, I don't know, it's fitting. It's fitting that I, that I changed and now, you know, people call me JT and I kind of like it. But a name 
that I didn't go, you know, I didn't really like for a long time was my full name, which was Joseph. Cause I don't know what it was about. It just sounds too, um, sounds too formal maybe, you know? So like, as a, as a kid, I was Joey. And when I got a real job, I thought that doesn't sound professional. So I should go by Joe. And then, but now of course, when you start reading your Bible, you're like, Joseph, the story of Joseph is awesome. And, you know, so I, I kind of identify with Joseph. Of course, I'd like to because Joseph is so good. And I just want to talk about some of the parallels between the story of Joseph and Jesus. And if you read the end of Genesis, I kind of had like this, this epiphany when I was reading it or a revelation, you might say, of like, you're reading the story of Joseph. And then you kept your pit. Once you start, you read it enough and you read the story of Jesus you can't help to see all the similarities in the story. And you're like, and it's, it's hard for us in our own kind of just, it's, it's 2022. So we've had the Bible, you know, cause we've had it our whole lives. The Bible's, you know, people, they've had a Bible for, I don't know how many, you know, almost 2000 years, you know, I don't know how, I don't know when they put it all together and don't get into that Nicaea garbage where they're like, like Oh, here's not, they're going to decide which books are not going to be in it. No, Take, take heart. This, this Bible, as it's constructed right now, tells you all you need to know to get you to heaven. There's no secret gnosis. And just by that, that whole phrase, it's like, you know, where, where that, that, that idea comes from is, is the Gnostics. But it's sometimes we forget that these stories, these, these, um, these books were written long time after each book. So you, you just think of like the Torah and the story of Joseph was written, like, you know, it was like 2000, like, you know, almost 2000 years before Jesus. And so that's more confirmation that the word is true is that, that if a man wrote this, it couldn't be as perfect as it is. It couldn't, it couldn't all work together as well as it does. And so I just want to talk about a, a few of the parallels between Joseph and uh, Jesus and this is so cool because it's like, I'm sure I'll, I'll name some and I'll probably forget. Because, well, I, I probably won't even know some of them because somebody will, somebody will bring something else that, that's similar in the story. And, and that's the cool thing about obviously being brothers and sisters in Christ and encouraging each other and, and teaching, you know, helping, helping help each other get there, you know, understand more. And so I had a, I was talking to a brother and one of my friends, uh, at, at my gym. And I was mentioning like that Joseph is one of the rare char- characters in the Bible who, who doesn't have any, like they don't mention any times he sinned. I mean, we know he did because Jesus is the only one who lived a sinless life, but Joseph did not sin at least as it's written. And the only time people would even say, Oh, what, what about this? Was this a sin is when he was telling his dreams to his uh his his brothers and to his his parents and of course it's it seems like a, a cocky thing to say or a prideful thing to say it's like hey you guys are going to bow down to me one day but once i once i when i realized that those dreams were from god those were real prophecies i mean so like he told them what god told him and i don't so that uh, that was not a sin now the interesting part about that is that my that my brother helped get me there where he's like and 
And because he did those, because he, because he told them what God told him, that's what sets the whole story in motion. So all the other things that happened after that would, might not have happened if he wouldn't have told them what God told him. So his brothers hated him and eventually sold him into slavery because he told them that he was, they were going to bow down to him one day. And eventually that caused eventually the prophecy to come true. And so that's the interesting part. So of course here, here we'll get into the, we'll just go right to the list of the similarities and I'm going to go based on memory and <laughs> I probably shouldn't, but you know what? That's, that's kind of how I roll. I'm a little bit rough around the edges and maybe I'll get, I'll get a little better at this, but okay. Let's just start with the first thing is that Joseph was the favorite son. So obviously we know that Jesus is the favorite son. Jesus is the only begotten son. Jesus is the, is the, is the unique son. So the other sons of God are not like Jesus. He's, he's different than them. He's better than them. You know, he and the father are one. So obviously that's a little different between Joseph and, you know, Jesus, but, but he was the favorite son. And also Jesus, you know, told the people what God told him. And guess what? They hated him for it. You know, so if, if Jesus didn't tell them what God was telling him to say, they wouldn't have hated him. And they wouldn't have they did to Jesus because of that. So there, there's one where it's like the fact that he was telling them plainly what God told him and they hated him for it. Just like Joseph. The other thing was, okay, so we'll go right into the story of Jesus. Jesus so Joseph had the coat of many colors. And when he gets thrown into the pit, they dip in blood and they, and they, and they, and they tear it. They like divide it up. And then so Jesus, you know, the, the soldiers divided up his garments. So there's another one. And so obviously he gets thrown into a pit and then he gets sold for pieces of silver. I think Joseph was 20, 20 pieces. Jesus was 30, but I think they say it was, it was the price of a slave, you know? So even in, in Jesus' day, I looked it up one time and I think it was like $15,000 would have been the equivalent of the amount of silver. So if you think about it like that, it's like Judas betrayed Jesus for not a lot of money. You know, of course, as Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and, and, and forfeits his soul? So there, there ain't enough money in the, in the world, in the universe to, uh, to sell Jesus out for. But that's interesting. They both were sold for a slave's wages or the, or the price of a slave. And so as he gets sold into slavery, you know, eventually Joseph gets thrown into jail for not sinning. Joseph is, Joseph is, is blessed wherever he goes and, and everywhere he's going, even whether it's Potiphar's house, even in the prison, the prison guard real, realizes how blessed he is. Yeah, so even as a slave, even as a prisoner, Joseph is blessing the people around him because he's so faithful to God. And so what's interesting is, for one, Joseph gets thrown into jail and he's innocent. So, of course, Jesus gets taken before Pilate, gets arrested. He's innocent. We know he didn't sin at all. He definitely didn't commit any crimes. So there's another parallel, the same. Also, 
So when Jesus is on the cross, he's got two people with him, right? He's got one, one bad, one bad thief and one, you know, redeemed thief eventually. And so one, one who dies and one gets eternal life. And so when, when Joseph is in jail, he's getting thrown in jail and the two people get thrown in the jail with him, the bread maker and the cup bearer. And so they each have dreams and one's about bread and one's about wine. So it's interesting, bread and wine. Jesus is the bread, you know, his body was like the bread and his blood is the wine. And so they both have two different dreams. Joseph interprets both dreams. Well, it's not, it doesn't end up well for the bread maker. The bread maker dreams about three, they're, they're both about three days. And in three days, he dreams about being hung on a tree and then the, the birds eating the bread. So that was a, that was a prophecy of the, in three days, he was going to be killed. The Pharaoh was not going to restore him. He was going to die. And, but the cupbearer, he dreamed about, I think, three vines. And eventually he was going to be restored to the king's house. And so what's interesting too, is also when he, when Joseph tells the, the cupbearer, then in three days, you're going to be restored to Pharaoh's house. And you're going to be, but he didn't say right hand, but he did say, you'll be, you'll be back in there. And so Jesus actually, or uh, Joseph actually tells him, remember me when you go in there. So you remember the good, remember the good, the good thief says, remember me when you enter your kingdom, Lord. See, the difference is the cupbearer forgets and he does not tell Pharaoh for two years. So he did remember eventually, but, but yeah, like obviously Jesus was like, don't, I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm sure that Jesus remembered him. He didn't, he didn't forget for two years. Oh gosh, there's that guy on the cross. No, he didn't do that. So there's another one. And of course you're thinking like he's going into the King's house where it's like Jesus is going into entering his kingdom you know, the cupbearer is going back into the king's house, the Pharaoh. And so there's another one. And so then you go, so eventually, you know, the Pharaoh, of course, Pharaoh has the, the dream that nobody can interpret and except for Joseph. And that's when the cupbearer remembers to tell him. And he dreams about seven years of, of plenty and then seven years of famine. And then so when Joseph interprets the dreams, the Pharaoh puts him makes him the second most powerful man in, in, in Egypt only to him. And so if you remember, then the, then his brothers come basically hat in hand, you know, cause uh, Egypt's the only place that has any food. So Jacob sends them to go get the food. And, and of course, here's an interesting thing. As I was reading through John, Jesus rises from the grave and he's resurrected at first they don't recognize him you know so no like what is it mary thought he he was the gardener so when the brothers return to egypt they don't recognize their own brother and so that's another that's another parallel they don't recognize him when he's restored you know when he's not a slave anymore and so that's an interesting one as well and it's also interesting that he kind of tests his brothers to make sure that they've, they've repented that, you know, they, they find, he finds out that they are, they, they truly regret what they did to their brother. And, and Judah is the one who actually shows that he, he made a promise to his dad that 
he was willing to serve out the punishment of Benjamin. Well, he was, he was willing to, Judah was willing to take the punishment in order to, for Benjamin to be free, you know, because it basically, it would kill his dad if, if anything happened to him after what happened to Joseph or what he thinks happened to Joseph. So that was interesting. So obviously Jesus, we need to repent. We need to repent. So that's another, that's another interesting parallel where you have to be repentant, you know, like obviously that if those guys hadn't repented for what they did, but Joseph has saved them. I don't think so. I think that they would have been, I think they would have been as dead as fried chicken. If, if they were, if they didn't show any remorse. So he tested them. So in the same way that as bad as what they did, and that's pretty bad to sell your brother into slavery, leave him for dead and tell, tell his father that he's dead. Lie to him. It's pretty bad, but he, they, they were forgiven. They're forgiven. And so there's, there's another one. That's, an, that's another part of the story. And so the interesting part is, and to even go back. So Jesus, when he dies on the cross, he goes down into the, into the earth. So that we know Joseph got thrown into a pit. We also know he was in jail. So we could, most, most prisons were probably in those days would have been in the ground, probably be underground. So he was in the earth. And so we don't really know exactly how long Joseph was in jail. We know it was two years after the, the, he interpreted the dreams of the, the, the bread maker and the, and the cupbearer. We don't know how long he was in jail. They just said he was, he was in there before though. So let's just say he was there over two years, maybe three. Well, Jesus rose on the third day. So after the third, so maybe the, on the third year, Joseph got out. And so he was restored to the king, you know, then they said he was made the second most powerful man in Egypt. And so you think that Jesus, when he came out and he ascended to the father, he took the right hand of the father. So that's interesting as well. So there's, there's one more. And so that's, so let's, let me think. So I should, like I said, I, I know I should have wrote these down, but, but, but here we, here we continue to go. And, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to forget one now that I've done that kind of I'm rolling like this and I had to take a break in a second. I got interrupted, interrupted. Um, but the, but the one part of the story that, that really gets me, gets me like the feels. And every time I almost read it, and I might, I might get weepy here in a second when I just think about it was. So when, when Joseph, you know, he, he brings, um, he brings his whole family to, uh, to Egypt, you know, to save them. And so Jesus, you know, so Joseph saves Israel, you know, he saves Israel because of his faithfulness and because of obviously the things God told him that was going to save Israel. And, and through Israel, he saved all the other nations too. He, he saved Egypt. And, and obviously if we know that he saved them, obviously we know Jesus came through the line of Jacob from Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob, you know, obviously pretty far down there, but eventually comes to Jesus. So he saved them, which saves all humanity. But so then you get, so 
not not to not to minimize that because I was I was forgetting that one, and of course now I'm going back. Now I have to go back to the thing. It was the is the end of the Joseph story. Is that you? What you have is that when Jacob dies, the brothers think the only reason he did Joseph didn't kill them before was because Jacob was still alive, and he he wouldn't have done that in front of his dad. So when when he when he when Jacob dies. They go to to Joseph and they're basically like, you're going to kill us now. You're going to you're going to punish us for what we did. Right. And so this is part of like I said, it kind of chokes me up when I just think about it is that Joseph is kind of like he weeps because he's kind of he's he's kind of heartbroken that they think that about him, that he would do that. They think he's like them. And at this point, they can't tell that he's not like them. He's much. There's a reason he was the favorite. And he was like, no. All this happened to me so I could save you. You know, and it was like he was he was not better. And I think that that was that's 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 your Jesus story in, in a nutshell. Like right there is the fact that you have that all the evil done to him. He knew was for our good and so like so joseph knew that that all the bad things he had to to suffer through was so he could save them and and like obviously that's the story of jesus you know is that he had to do these things thy will be done father you know if this cup passed from me but he's like but he knew he was going to do it you know that that the lamb had to be slain and it's and obviously Jesus is the only person who could have done that. And you think out of all the brothers in Jacob's house, Joseph's the only one who could have done that. And so again, we, we go back to Romans 8, 28, when it's like all things work together for the good. For those who love him are called according to his purpose. And, and that's, that's so cool. Cause I mean, I'm, how much, how much more clear can you get than the story of Joseph? And then eventually the story of Jesus is that if you love the father, you love God, he's got a purpose for you. And at times it's probably not going to make sense. You know, you had to, you have to, you have to know that Joseph at some point thought this is pretty terrible. Like I'm in jail now. You know, what about those dreams? God, I'm sure he probably had to think that when is that going to, to happen? Is that going to happen? Did he have doubts? Well, it's hard to imagine he didn't have doubts in jail for over two years. You know, like, especially after he said, remember, told the couple, remember me. And then he did two years later. So, but I think that's always good for us to remember is the fact that we don't see the big picture. And sometimes you think like the things you're going through, Maybe it's not going to end too well for you, but just think about it's not all about you. It's about blessing other people too. The, the, the struggle you're going through, you can help somebody one day and, and the lessons you've learned. And, and to me, that's kind of everything. And, and at the end of the day, to live as Christ and to die as gain. So like, so no matter what happens, if you're faithful to God and it, and it eventually even leads to your demise, you're actually if you if you're in Christ, you've already got eternal life. So we know leaving this place is not going to be a bad thing. It's gain. 
It's, it's, it's surely game. Truly, truly, it's game. And I think that's just, to me, that's awesome. And I can't get enough of that story. And even, even one more, I'll, I'll give you maybe some extra credit. And this, you guys can correct me if, this, if I'm inaccurate with this. But so Joseph at the end, he's telling, he's telling his sons, I think he's telling the Israelites that take my bones out of Egypt. I don't want to be buried in Egypt. Well, I don't want to stay buried in Egypt anyways. And so eventually they take his bones to Canaan. So it's almost even think like, so even when Joseph was buried, he didn't stay, he didn't stay in the grave either. And so that's, that's kind of interesting too. And we obviously know that Jesus did not stay in that tomb. That tomb was empty that, that they first put, laid him in and he's alive. And anyways, I just thought that was cool. And it's like, to me, Romans 8, 28, that is a verse to live by because, you know, once you accept Jesus, you accept the sacrifice, the, the, the gift of grace, you know, again, you think about like this, the brothers, they did not deserve to be forgiven. They did not deserve it, but, but they, but that's the point, right? They did, they didn't deserve it. And I think that they kind of realized that. And, and that's where, that's why it's such a, a gracious, you know, great gift for us. And that's the same place we're at where it's like, we realized that we couldn't earn, you know, heaven. We have to be given it as a gift because God loves us. And, and, and that, I think the place where I got to the, the full understanding when I started to love God more than I feared hell. And I started to really realize that God was good. And if he'd send his son to die for you, you know, when you, when you didn't deserve it, he's, he's not going to make you suffer for no reason. There is a reason. And, and part of, and part of walking in faith and in righteousness is believing God's promise. So I'll just say today, don't doubt, don't doubt, believe it, you know, Jacob or uh, Abraham believed God's promise and he was counted to him righteousness. Believe God's promise. That's a promise that this, that things will work together for the, for your good. And ultimately our redemption and life eternal with, with God. And I just wanted to, to say that on 829. I know it's not 828, but I said I already, I already made my, my 828 video all nice and raw and probably even a little quivering lip at one point. Um, but when early on when I when I started to share my faith on social media, I realized that you know what, the things that you're going through are not all very always unique to you. And whether it's this exact same situation or it's similar situations, if you have a verse that helps you one day, share it, you know, because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that somebody's struggling that same day. And, and when they read, when they read or they hear the words you, you speak, obviously the word does not return void, that you will bless them and you will be blessed because of that. And they'll praise God because of what you did. And I think that is what it's all about. 
anyways, guys, I just wanted to, to encourage you guys with that. And I hope uh, I didn't forget too much stuff, but uh, I love you guys and I will be talking to you soon. Yikes. No, you probably weren't thinking that, were you? You're probably thinking, JT, that was a weak pun.